and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. And I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Welcome to a bonus episode where we are interviewing Lily Anderson, author of Big Bad, the new Buffy tie-in novel uh, featuring your favorite and familiar characters, but maybe not the way you think of them. (laughs) Hi, Lily. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for, Thank joining, you for joining us. us. Yeah, we're so excited. I, I was just telling you before we started recording, I literally finished the book an hour ago. I loved it. Um, I'm notorious for procrastinating my the reads that I need to do. And I started it on like Thursday. And I just I just went right through it because it was so fun. But first, let's hear from you. What, like, Can you tell us a bit about yourself, how you got into writing? So I'm, um, I was like gonna give my full like name and occupation, like I'm slating for a job interview. Um, <laughs> I'm Lily Anderson. I have been a writer now for um, professionally about seven years. Uh, this is my sixth published book, which is wild. Um, I started writing, you know, just like many kids do, uh, fan fiction uh, as a younger person. Although surprisingly, I never wrote Buffy fanfic. I always felt like there was like more than enough canon to sort of keep me um, happy. It was giving me everything I wanted between the show and the comics. Um, and so, yeah, I started writing mostly to entertain myself and then to entertain my friends. I would write little stories and then give them to my friends or write stories about us and, you know, the sort of Bob's Burgers erotic friend fiction model. <laughs> So you know, nice. want, wanting my life to look different. Um, and then, yeah, in my 20s, I was, I'd written a book that I thought, you know, I think this is actually like publishable. I wrote a retelling of Much Ado About Nothing set in uh, High School for Geniuses. And that ended up being my debut book. Um, yeah, so I've been writing professionally ever since. And I'm just so delighted that now I play in the Buffyverse sandbox. So could you tell us a little bit about how you got into watching Buffy? Buffy was a show my dad watched, which is a very weird starting place where like, it was a show that I would see my dad watching in the living room and I'd be like, why are you watching a show about (laughs) high school kids? You creep. What are you doing? He's like, no, it's a really good show. And I like... (laughs) distance myself from it because I was like oh that's something he likes I wouldn't like it which doesn't make any sense because we do like a lot of the same things uh I really loved the original movie as a kid I had it on VHS it was one of those like inappropriate VHS tapes that I watched over and over again being like a seven-year-old watching the original Buffy movie and then finally when season six was airing I caught 
you know, I don't know if you guys do spoilers on your podcast because I know you're only you're only up to season four. Spoil away. Okay. Yeah, we'll so, say that this, this is a bonus episode. We'll do uh, spoilers in this. <laughs> excellent. So I got to the episode, the first episode where Spike and Buffy have sex. And I was like, what is this now? Hello, I'm in. <laughs> uh, and they watched religiously from there um which was weird because going back to the beginning i was like what's all this angel stuff who is mm-hmm. these, ugh, this nice broody boy i know that she and spike get get there let's do it um <laughs> so yeah and then i just sort of never stopped watching it uh made my friends watch it when i had roommates made my roommates watch it um and I, like I said, got very into the comics when those started uh, because I wasn't satisfied with the, you know, just seven seasons. I was like, oh, great. There's a season eight comic. Let's keep going. And now I love everything that Boom is putting out comics wise. So, yeah, sort of a, a later bloomer Buffy fan. You know, I was probably 13 or 14 when season six came out. We were about the same age. Yeah, 80s baby. Season six, kind of the tail end of season six was when I remember watching Buffy as it was first broadcast. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. similar kind of memories. So do you have any uh, controversial opinions? We we, we call when our our listeners write in, we call them hot stakes. Do you have any uh, controversial (laughs) polarizing, maybe hot stakes that we could get you canceled for when it comes to Buffy? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, plenty. I have plenty of hot stakes. Let's go. Um, To me... The show ends season six. I do not rewatch season seven. I don't care about potentials. I don't mm. care about them at all. I used to think that way too. When my when I moved out of my dad's house and I got my own place, I, I had all the Buffy DVDs. I left season seven there. <laughs> my dad's house. I did eventually retrieve it, mostly because I wanted to rip it to, to a hard drive. But I'm very interested to see what happens when our podcast gets to season seven. I understand from like an author standpoint of like you want your story to grow and change but as a fan you're like you're ruining the thing the core thing one girl in all the world and now there's just all these teenagers and it's sort of like when they brought Dawn on the show and everyone's like Ugh, what is this cousin Oliver shit like there's just a like <laughs> rando young kid again just so you can kind of get back to the high school demographic and then they do it again two seasons later, and it's way worse. I yeah, that's I think it's my hottest, my hottest stake. Other than I mean, you know, everyone at this point finds Xander really hard to take. That's mm. not really that's not hot. That's the sort of like we all agree, Xander's tough. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was going to ask about this. Mm. Um, so we're going to try to keep spoilers for the books. For, the, for this book relatively, you know, spoiler free, but we'll mention some general stuff. If you want to go into the book completely unaware, maybe go read the book first before you listen to this interview. Uh, one thing that really jumped out at me in this book was the notable lack of Xander. So that was a choice, right? I was waiting for him to pop his little face in there at some point, maybe as a vampire, or maybe they mentioned that he died. Nothing. And I was like, wow. <laughs> Xander free, baby. Um, he exists. It's one of those. So the the book itself is an alternate universe. I'll like do the the setup. Here's the pitch. The book is an alternate universe where instead of a demon ascension, the mayor just uh, comes out as an immortal uh, sorcerer, and 
decides to turn Sunnydale into what he renames Demon Dale as a safe haven for demons, blocks out the sun so vampires can walk during the day, and it's just a party time hell on Earth. So slightly less evil than what Republicans are doing right now in the States. Oh, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) People have rights in Demon Dale. Um so they work together there (laughs) they do it's a community it's the whole point of the book is the anyway so demon dale is a town without a slayer and one day a slayer falls through a portal um and ruins everyone's good time the slayer is obviously buffy the vampire slayer um and she has memories of where she came from she is a a buffy who is basically at the start of season two that's where the that's where our timelines diverge for her and so she sort of thinks like oh i have friends xander and willow but xander's not gonna pop up and that was pretty conscious because i was you know i don't want to play with him he's not fun and i (laughs) never really forgave him for dumping anya so anya is one of the point of view characters um and i didn't want to have to deal with that whole thing i really wanted to see what anya would be like without the baggage of xander because the show really uses him as like an excuse to have anya the greatest character ever written and it's like no replace him entirely we made a new cool demon friend (laughs) Anybody out there, if you're an Anya stan, like, this book is for you. Anya is so good in this book. Such a good time. You're so good at writing her, like, her voice, her thoughts, Lily. I really like her. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, and, like, well, first off, like, kudos for, yeah, not including Xander. (laughs) No one's sad about that. Uh, But, yeah, the way you captured Anya's voice, her character, her mannerisms, I loved that. And I actually wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on Anya because – she often in the book talks about the soul, right? Does she have a soul? Does she not have a soul? Um, and in the show, sometimes that's a little bit up in the air, right? Like I think we, this came up only once with me and Car, where we're like, does she have a soul? I think she does because she's human now, but then like she doesn't seem to mind the demon stuff still. Like she's okay. If she could, she probably would go back to demon life if it was easy for her. So, yeah, so what are your thoughts on that? Like, I know she discussed it a bit in the book, but, like, what side do you fall on? Yeah, I. it's something that's really interesting because the Vengeance Demon lore is really loose. <laughs> I mean, it's a very, it's it's not a deep mythos. Um, and so I would, I'm interested in the idea that vengeance demons could keep their souls that like it's something that dahafran just lets them hold on to but through having such a long life you know being a thousand years old that you just sort of end up teaming up more with the immortals you know like and if every other immortal is a soulless demon you're sort of like yeah i get that but it's sort of the same thing with vampires, right? Where you know vampires don't have a soul, but then there's all this, well, how much of who you were before is the vampire? You know, is it just like the demon comes and possesses that body? Or is it the worst parts of you? Or is it just you without a conscience? And so, 
yeah, for vengeance demons, I'm like, okay, so Anya has a conscience, but she also has a job, and the job really takes priority. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're more like, I picture them sort of like mercenaries. Um, where like you have a soul, you have a conscience, it's just sort of up to you how much you give into that. Mm, I like that. Yes. <laughs> Cause like at the end, like she uh, I mean, I don't know, I'm not gonna give a spoiler here, but like she is managing her life in this new demon reality just fine <laughs> and um and like what by the time the book ends seems like she's going to be just fine but then we know in the buffy verse and the actual show she's actually just fine as a human too so that's what's like what's fun about her character is that she can play both roles yeah anya's just very adaptable I feel like anya will flourish no matter where yeah. you put her yes, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah in hell on earth she's i mean i mean the best thing about anya is she is so much herself and that's part of what makes her so fun to write and that's what makes her so fun to watch and so you know regardless of the situation she's not gonna fold she's never gonna pretend to be something else and a lot of other characters would be like oh i'm gonna have to like quiet this part of me down so that i'm not in danger and anya's like oh i would rather die than say something i don't believe Mm. or not say anything at all (laughs) so can you tell us a bit about the origin of your story here like did it start with like Anya like what would Anya do like how did you come up with this reality with this uh I guess for me it read like fan fiction but like obviously very good fan fiction (laughs) right yeah (laughs) yeah so it started with the the kernel of the idea was a Buffy villains suicide squad like what would happen if all the villains get together and then i sort of had to go through and go okay well what villains can't play with the others you know who's either too evil or too much of a like representation because a lot of the buffy villains are you know it's the fun thing about buffy is that it is such a metaphor for life but that means some villains aren't fun to play with (laughs) um like ted ted's not Mm. fun that's not a good time. Right. He just is the patriarchy. Yikes. Yes. So, yeah. you know, no Ted in the book. Or um, Makita. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Giant snake. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there's just some villains that weren't going to play well with the others. So it's like, so who would our core group be? Obviously, you have, you know, your favorite vamps. So you have Angel, but it's an angel who never got his soul back. So he's still Angelus. He and Spike and Drew are still hanging out, being like a weird frenemy family. Um, and so from there, I was sort of building out. I, my, one of my, like my, I think my favorite character on Buffy is Jonathan. And so I knew that I wanted to spend a lot of time with Jonathan and to sort of flesh out his story because he was always sort of a, you know, he's like a sight gag of like, oh, and that guy, it's the like, you know, when Harmony's like, oh, Cordelia, I found the perfect guy for you. And it's (laughs) Jonathan with a big gulp. And it's like, how does Jonathan feel about that? He didn't do anything to deserve that. And I've always thought that Jonathan kind of gets a bum rap because, uh, you know, he gets murdered by Andrew, who then gets this whole redemption arc, which I'm not sure he deserves. Oh, yeah. I mean, not at all. have some feelings about that in season seven. Hot stake yeah. number two. Jonathan <laughs> should have lived and Andrew should have died. Like, mm. it's, it, yeah, that's really hard. It's hard for me as, I mean, I, I love Andrew and I think that some, he does some of the only good work in season seven. 
The only things that I ever think like, oh, that's fun in season seven is probably an Andrew bit. Right. Yeah, he just flat out murders Jonathan and everyone's like, yeah, that's fine. Why is that fine? Jonathan didn't do anything wrong. He's just a little follower. I mean, season season seven is the season where they just decide to give everybody a pass on murder. Yes. So. Right, right. I mean, Jonathan did pee in the pool that one time. It's free. We all <laughs> Terrible pee in him. the pool, Steph. We all did so, it. <laughs> were, there, were there any villains or any other characters that you wanted to include that you were like trying to put in your drafts and then you're just like i just can't fit them in there i really wanted to leave some options open in the event that i am blessed by the walt disney corporation to write another book um and so the number one character who should be in this book is faith if you are going to have a town full of demons where everyone is equally a badass. You know who would have a great time there? Faith. And I kept thinking, you know, oh, it would be fun if they, like, maybe they, like, get rid of Buffy, like, halfway through, and then that calls Faith. And and I was like, that seems like a lot for one book. So I'm going to, you know, set it aside and leave room that if uh, if, if publishing is willing to take another chance on me, that I would love to write just Faith's Adventures in Demon Dale and see what shenanigans she could get up to there. Yeah, something I really enjoyed was the fact that um, you didn't try to put too much into this book. I think that's a, a, a really strong temptation when you're writing in a universe that you love so much is you, you want all the callbacks, you want all the references. And there's a lot in here. I was very impressed with some of the deep. I was cuts. gonna say this is the first this is the first time anyone has accused me of not shoving this book no, but, full of references like a turducken. But it works. <laughs> and because I I don't think that you overload us with it. Yes, there are a lot, but yeah. you don't overload us. It's clear that you were very conscious of like, does this particular reference belong? here yeah it was like a treat when we got them yeah. and um I, I watched your instagram uh live uh interview with kandara blake oh yeah she's the best she's the best and we've had her on here she's like our third prophecy girl <laughs> but i remember thinking the exact same thing with her her novel as well i was like you sprinkled them in it wasn't like you know heavy-handed or anything it was just nice and i felt the same way reading yours i was like oh look at that and like, oh, I know what she's talking about, <laughs> you know, like, and that's the treat as a fan who who reads these kind of books. You're just like, oh, OK, she's talking to us. I really liked when you had Andrew say that his vampire name would be Cyrus because we just yes! watched. We just watched that episode, <laughs> Real Me, of season five, yes. where we see Cyrus played by Tom Lank. Yes. So good. My copy editor was definitely like why would this and i was like it's a reference and then there's a reference in the reference because then he wants to be cyrus the virus who is from con air and everyone just gives up on me at that well, point if you ever need a copy editor who knows buffy lily i am a professional copy editor too so 
well, that's good to know. <laughs> and she's super good at plugging herself. <laughs> yes. Well, if slash when I get my sequel, I will inform the Walt Disney Corporation. <laughs> I'm just saying the mouse could hire me for their Buffy specific needs, you know? Um, yes. I um I laughed when I read the Cyrus mention because if I had read this book last week, I wouldn't have remembered or gotten the the nod. But now because we're it just happened to be that we just covered it. I was like, yeah. ah. <laughs> and uh, I got that one. I think the the most obvious one is the the Marnoxen gem. Yes, I thought that was really cute. A little shout out to Marty Noxon. Yeah, a little. I mean, it's definitely it's the one that to me, I'm like, is it too cute? I don't care. I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> um, and it did pay off because on release day on Twitter, I did hear from both Marty and Jane Espenson and sobbed hysterically at work just like oh my god i've been witnessed by my favorite writers uh yeah. that's such that's really great well it's kind of a passing yeah, but, of the torch what do you think about yeah, it yeah right? that's so nice don't oh, don't, get, don't. Really get me started um yeah and this book is just it would not be possible without the wish the episode the wish mm. you know and marty really does set the stage for most of what I love about Buffy, from the episodes that she was in charge of to the season that she show ran being my first season, I just, you know, uh, bless. I just love her so much, and I'm so grateful for the work that she did. And the same thing with Jane Espenson, where, you know, with Superstar, I'm like, yeah, thank you. Thank you for changing my life. And this book wouldn't exist if Superstar didn't exist, because I would never even thought to do a full alternate universe episode that's just silly goof-em-ups. <laughs> yeah, I am so just so delighted. Well, there are, are two things that are like, if I had to like rank my favorite things in the book, because I love ranking and choosing favorites. One, I loved when she went to the dimensions, where it was like, there was the one with the hush, obviously the gentleman, um, mm -hmm. and she fought them. Like, I just really loved when she went to go, the puppet, oh my God, when she was yeah. in the puppet, um, Smile Time or sm Smile Town or whatever it's called. Smiley Dale. Smiley Dale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, that was like a legitimate treat. Because I love those episodes and obviously fans love those episodes and having those little moments was like really, really fun and exciting. You're like, I know what this is. I know what this is. And then um, my second one would be the use of Angelus in this book. Uh, I'm an angel girl. And I really loved having him there, like you said, without the soul and never got the soul. And he has this little ponytail, which everyone mentions does not look good. And it's true. Well, because it's also because he's a little girl. Like the impression I got of Angelus this entire book is he's just so incredibly annoyed that he's doing all of this. He's like, why am yes. I going through this? Why do I have to babysit these humans? Like he's just he's just barely tolerating everybody. Yeah, it's Angelus is really interesting as a character because on the show, on both shows, on Buffy and Angel, whenever he shows up, it's so reactionary. You know, he's just because he is just the ultimate metaphor character. Like even more than the first, Angelus is a metaphor of like what if your boyfriend was bad? What if you fell in love with someone and then all of a sudden he was terrible to you <laughs> and you didn't know what you'd done wrong? And so he just says like the worst things he can think of and he's kind of smarmy and smirky and he's like, yeah, 
I had I I did it. I banged her, whatever like weird fratty frat bro stuff he says. And so thinking about him as a character, I'm like, well, that's also like because he used to be good, he has to be super bad. So what if he was never good? Does he just level off in badness? And it's like, well, he'd have to have other interests, which is why I made him a small business owner. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. He's a restaurateur. Um, and he's still, you know, like the baddest badass and he kills people and he fights with Spike and that might be flirting. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, it's very interesting to see the reader reaction to him because everyone has a sort of like i mean it's not really what he's like though and i'm like yeah but he's not like trapped in a jail cell taunting his friends you know the way that we see that version of angel on the show is very pointedly like in little doses where he's just like i met a buffy she made me happy and happy is bad because i'm mean now and you're like that's really not enough to be like a whole person well like he's not in love with buffy in the book right and mm-hmm. in the show yeah, he's in love with her. buffy turns evil and he's like what do i do with all this, this ugh, like this feeling um so in this one he doesn't have that which opens the door for some anya angel what would we call it angel <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah like some some anya anya romance which i was here for <laughs> Because more women should experience him. <laughs> so good for Anya. <laughs> that really caught me off guard. <laughs> there was one scene where he like cupped her face. I was like, oh, 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 okay, okay. So like, I'm always looking for these little things in, in books like this. And I'm like, mm, that was nice. That was really good. Thank you. <laughs> oh, well, I, I'm I'm glad you enjoyed a little treat just for you. Can you, uh, can you slip snap some of the... The scenes that didn't make it into the book. <laughs> yeah, can I have your the 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 R-rated ones? The mouse was like, "This is this is too steamy, Lily. You you can't put this in here." Disney's like, "Get rid of this. This is <laughs> this yeah. is only for really really intense angel lovers." <laughs> I mean, I I don't have any, but I could make some for you. Um, please, yeah, please. That was a real surprise to me which you know doesn't often happen when you're writing I like outline my books and I tend to write them pretty close to that outline and in my outline I thought that Angelus would be the Phil Coulson in the Avengers like the death that brings everyone together mm. I you know I had it sort of like this will lead us into like sort of the the final act. Really interesting. Yeah. And then he started flirting with Anya, and I was like, mm, <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> maybe this is more interesting. And it then was. as I kept going, I was like, well, this it kind of makes sense, you know, as far as and Angelus who is recently separated from Darla, you know, if you just want a little mean spirited thousand year old woman to like tell you what to do and tell you that you're wrong and what you should wear you know Anya's really here for you and she won't leave you for the master because (laughs) the master is gross (laughs) (laughs) that was another little delight I was like Darla married him she would I was like she would she would totally and then when Buffy shows up and she's like I just killed you (laughs) (laughs) so what made you choose Beginning of season two, Buffy, as your starting point for her character. I really wanted a Buffy who 
wasn't quite used to all of it yet. When you get deeper into the show, you know, if you have where Demondale is, you know, Jonathan and Andrew and anyone else who might show up um, is situated more at a end of season three, beginning of season four time period. And for Buffy at that same point, if I was going to say like, oh, OK, it's just 1999 for everybody. Drop them in. Buffy already knows everyone. She's really good at their weaknesses. And the amount of drama that she would have with everyone in this alternate universe would really get in the way of her wanting to just kill all of them. You know, if you've already, if she'd already fallen in love with Angel, had him lose his soul, murdered him, um, gone through graduation and prom and all these things and had the wish and had all like had already met Anya she would just be so ahead of the game in a way that would not be conducive it would be so meta and I'm you know this is a pretty meta story and I really like you know just putting a story right up its own butt into an Ouroboros human centipede um (laughs) but that was too much even for me so i thought okay let's take her back we'll make her a little younger and just not quite as adept at everything she's killed the master but she's you know season one's pretty short she's only killed like 12 big bads and not 22 (laughs) and she's not so firmly situated in sunnydale that she's like this is my home and i know where everything is it's sort of like she's lived there for like a year um yeah so i wanted her to be more of like the young innocent who really still needs her group and doesn't have them without the other Scoobies to help research about Giles to guide her. She just can't do it on her own. The older Buffy gets the more that everyone else is sort of like, we can help you. And she's like, I got it. Don't worry about it. And I wanted her to sort of feel bereft without everyone else and to sort of have those moments of being like i just want my mom (laughs) i just want (laughs) to go to school like a normal kid um and sort of have that duality of early season one where she's like i don't want to be the slayer i want to be normal and then in this situation she's like oh i just want to be a normal slayer i don't want to like have to go through a whole world that is literally hell on earth yeah, and I found um, that difference because you mentioned the wish. And when Buffy is in that alternate reality, she's been in it for, I guess, three years at that point or two years. Um, and she's like really hardened, right? She's like a badass. She's got scars. She's wearing a flannel tight around her waist. <laughs> so you know that she is very tough. Yes, <laughs> she means business. Um, but like this Buffy, obviously being younger and having that naive, I can't even say the word, naivete. How do you say it? Kara always corrects me with words. Naivete. <laughs> There it is. I found that really nice. And that and I was surprised because I, I didn't know when she was there until she had said, Oh, I just killed you. And I was like, okay, so we're like at when she's bad, like at that the summer before yes. that, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So that's yeah. where so- Buffy was all summer. <laughs> she was jumping <laughs> portals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's why she's so angry when she comes back. Yeah. She comes back and she's like, we have a longer season order. I'm really here for this. I'm ready. I have a cute new haircut. Like, yes. She doesn't have baby right. bangs anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so do you think when she gets 
ported back at the end. Like she went, she got dropped in right when the show starts, like at, at season two. Yeah, I would say, yeah, she, yeah. I would say she gets dropped in and is, yeah, just right back into season two. And it's just like, oh, okay, great. Everything's great. Everything's normal. Let's do this. Ready for it. One, um, one conversation between characters I really liked um, in the book was between Andrew and Jonathan. Um, near to the end when they're having their like moment of like you're not are we friends like do you even care about me yeah is what jonathan is saying and one thing he said specifically which i really loved where he's like you didn't even tell me you were gay and andrew was like well i just i didn't think you'd want to be my friend and i was like look at this vulnerable conversation these boys are having in the midst of like what's about to be like a, a demon rumble <laughs> like i really i really was touched by that conversation yeah having jonathan and andrew as main characters, one of the things I really wanted to focus on was all the things the show didn't let them have. Yes. And a lot of that is with Warren as their leader. And this is something that I can't believe we've waited this long to say. <laughs> Warren dies right away. And I need you to know that because Warren is terrible. And I loved it. Yeah. yeah I just don't want anyone to go into this book and be like, oh, Warren's here. Like, look, Warren is bad. He got to go. Mm -hmm. So he dies very quickly in order to leave Jonathan and Andrew open to this sort of possibility of like, well, what could we be if we weren't led by a total psychopath, like a literal murdering psycho? Um, and so these moments of, well, are we really friends? Were we only ever together because Warren sort of needed both of us for different things. Do we have a friendship outside of him? Those were all really important to me. And it was also really important to me that Andrew say expressly that he's gay because it's something that the show is very comfortable making fun of, but mm -hmm. not comfortable enough to explore in an open, vulnerable way. Like the show is, which is having on the one hand, Willow and Tara, and this like openly queer relationship on TV in the late nineties, early two thousands, like so it was so great. But then on the other hand, it's sort of like, oh, but we still get to make fun of the gay guy. Mm -hmm. And I just don't like that sort of like having your cake and eating it too, of being like, look how progressive I am. It's still very much queerness through a straight male lens <laughs> of well, the lesbians are fine because they can be here and make out and be cute and hold hands. That's hard. Yes, exactly. But we can't have Andrew even mention being attracted to a man. I mean, like, he even has, you know, has to say things like how much, how attracted he is to Dana Scully. No, buddy. <laughs> no, it's okay. You can, you don't have to. You can be a Mulder guy. It's fine. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, going into the book, I was like, well, if Andrew's going to be a character in this, he will be an, an explicitly gay character. It won't be coded in any way. And there's just a lot of things like that, because as much as I love the show, it is very much a relic of its time. And so I also have characters be like, stop calling, stop calling women bitch. Just mm, stop it. Yeah, I, I love like that. that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Because the show's really comfortable with just sort of being like, oh man, like, look, everyone loves Spike's out for a walk, bitch. But like, I also don't need it. 
bitch. Her name is Buffy. <laughs> just throw it on there, man. It like, the it's same fine. Water. It's not going to ruin the yes. alliteration. Nope. Ooh, we're going to get there soon, aren't we, Kara? Yeah, and I really loved, um, I guess, when Glory, what, when I think, so is it Andrew came out to Glory? Like he said, like, yeah. I'm gay to her. And um, it was Anya who stood up, right? She's like, he just told you mm-hmm. something. Like, really, like, opened himself up and you, you, you're you bullying him for it. And I'm like, love this. <laughs> I love this voice. Yeah, but she's Anya, so she's like, he just said something really, something that was really hard for him for reasons I don't understand. <laughs> I don't know I'm why. Like- <laughs> But I know you should be nicer about it. And I'm like, that is, that's so nice. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another character whose voice you really caught was Spike's. I felt I really saw Spike jump off the page when I was reading his scenes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. As much as Angel caressing Anya's face was a treat for you, <laughs> all Spike scenes are a treat for me. That's for mama. Um, yeah. It's a very interesting thing writing for characters who you've known for so long because usually when i write a book i am doing everything possible to not have them sound like anything i've heard before i am going oh no that sounds you know if i wrote a line that was like oh that sounds too much like spike in any other book i'd have to like delete it and in this book it is so interesting to go not only do i have the characterizations in my head i have these literal character voices so i can like in my head just sort of go like okay well how would i make james marsters say this uh which i usually only use for like selfish uh nighttime purposes you know like what if i what would he sound like saying my name um <laughs> yeah but instead <laughs> sorry <Cora. laughs> um instead it was very interesting to be able to sort of use all these like mental paper dolls and go oh okay so how would this scene sound in all of these actors voices and would that work and what what's sometimes when you're writing you think oh would this character say that or would this character say that and when you have such specific actor voices it is very clear like an angel line is not a spike line Mm -hmm. and an anya line is not a drusilla line and that's just such a good time it's made it much harder to go back to writing my own work where i just have to everyone just talks in my stupid voice where like (laughs) i'm just like yeah we're going over to the sock hop yeah i love the sock hop and it's like they're all the same they just sound like me wait what book is that i want to read it are they going to the sock sock hop hop? (laughs) i'm listening but an evil sock hop it's it's written by me so it's undoubtedly haunted Uh, yeah i have to compliment you on the voice thing because and i think i said this when we were talking with kandara too like i tend not to read fan fiction or media tie-in stuff because i have a really hard time visualizing so when i'm reading a novel about tv characters like you said i'm so used to the actors portraying those characters that it's very tough for me to hear the characters voices um and, and so something that you and kandara both did really well was like just making this a good experience for me. You know, I, I'm just, I'm so, I have so much trepidation about reading tie-in stuff because I'm just like, this is going to fall flat for me. I'm not going to feel these characters. And it really does come through. And I, I, I was like, I feel like I'm getting new Buffy. And I really like that. Thank you so much. That is, I mean, at the end of the day, that's all I want from this book is for it to feel like an episode that they could never have made. 
you know, if for no other reason than just like budget. <laughs> um, yeah, being able to sort of write this extra special supersized episode um, that is completely unfilmable and takes things from both Buffy and Angel, which is something that I think the shows really kept their lore separate and i was like no we're gonna squish them all together like Mm -hmm. everyone should know about the powers that be it's Mm -hmm. wild that the buffy characters don't know about them also while the buffy never got to fight puppets so (laughs) how dare i fixed it (laughs) you did fix it so could you tell us a little bit about what was the the process like for um working within the Buffy sandbox, because it seems like Disney's trying to create its little Buffy expanded universe here, which I'm here for. I'm actually very optimistic that we are going to enter a renaissance for Buffy. Um, and I'm excited. So what was it like? Did you ever have any moments where you were like wanting to do something and they're like, mm, that's not going to really work with our secret plans? I kept trying to get them to say no to things Ooh. and it didn't happen. So what this book is, is me writing an outline that was like, oh, they're going to pull me back. They're going to say, <laughs> you know, you can have everything but this. You can have everything but like, you you know, you can't make so many romantic pairings that have never occurred anywhere in nature. Um, <laughs> and they didn't. They were really just so great about it. And. I mean, the thing I got the most pushback for is like, there's, is like the most pedantic, like they, the Disney Buffy world doesn't capitalize the word Slayer. I noticed that. And again, as a copy mm. editor, I was like, but, but it should be capitalized. Like, she's the Slayer. Yeah. It's her title. It's the, yeah, it's the Slayer. And so they were like, well, if you're referring to her, like, if you're referring to the Slayer as like the person, you know, as, as a replacement for Buffy, it can be capitalized. But if you're just referring to the Slayer as an entity, it's not capitalized. And I could not win that fight. And they were like, look, it's true across every book. You you can't have it. And I was very upset about it because obviously it was I mean, capitalized I in guess my manuscript. Like hope. You know, yes. like I see their I see their reasoning. Um yeah. I just don't agree with it. <laughs> Let's right. riot. Let's let's go to Disney <laughs> Studios and and have yeah. our say, you know? Yeah. I it was but that was the only thing. Everything else I really thought they would say you can't do that or that's too much or have you thought about doing literally anything else with your book in your life? Um and they didn't. <laughs> they read it and they're just <laughs> Which... like, We regret choosing you to do this. <laughs> I mean that I expect that every time I turn in a draft, but it has yet to happen. Um, Yeah, so they're really so wonderful and so excited, and the my editor and the senior editor are such huge Buffy fans that any editorial process really comes down to like, oh, I loved this, you know, or push it farther, you know, do more. I mean. I was told, like, you know, make the make Angel and Anya sexier. And I was like, no, like you heard my note. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> now, now, could it be because it's an alternate an, an alternative universe? Like it's, you know, d- not the same reality that maybe they're like, you don't have as many boundaries because it's like its own little world. It's not like Kendara who was trying to do a continuation. 
in the future? Yeah, certainly. Because, I, I mean, there were a lot of, because our sort of universe expert would come through and go, hey, according to episode three, three of season five this is not true and i get to go in and go it's an alternate universe everything i say happens happens i am god um, yeah well yeah. because you got to make up a lot of like the the vengeance llc kind of backstory yeah. stuff yeah. the biggest pushback i got lore wise was in my first draft and i think it even went to the advanced reader copies which is my greatest shame i say <laughs> that there is no mall in sunnydale and what <laughs> look you heard it look, here what? first folks lily is a fake buffy fan. <laughs> fake fan i'm a fake fan when i think of the mall I only think of the movie theater. There's no stores. They're not shopping. It's just a movie theater and the quest for Camelot posters. And yeah, so that was on me. That's my bad. And so my copy editor what? was very much like, like linked me to a clip <laughs> of the, like, you know, the Penny. judge and the flamethrower. And it was just like, like, are you a phony? Just tell us now. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is the mall. That's, that's, like, that's not so on sorry. you. That's on this all the, the you know, that's on your editor and anybody else who was reading these drafts before it got to the copy editing stage who didn't catch that. Yeah. So I did bad and I will never live down the shame of that. But that was like the biggest slap on the wrist I got for. Buffy verse stuff. Everything else was sort of like, yeah, man, go I would off. Have loved to see the judge. Yeah, the judge, the judge oh, showing yeah. up. Maybe in the next book. Okay. Like clear, clearly, this is the reason why he's not in there because you just yeah. forgot you him. You save him, obviously. I do have one small criticism, Lily. Um, Let's go. I find it very difficult to believe that by the year twenty forty, Adam has not already read Frankenstein, especially if he's bored and being a museum security guard <laughs> okay i hear you but do you think adam reads for fun well he certainly likes to take in floppy disks for fun <laughs> he, he doesn't read at all he <laughs> inserts floppy disks that's fair <laughs> and so yeah by the year 2040 is there a copy of frankenstein on a floppy disk mm. um yeah no that is it is certainly it's a cheap joke that yeah i I have no excuse for it. I just like the joke. My editor's issue with that was, would Buffy have read Frankenstein? And I was oh. like, look, it is a signed yeah. reading in many yeah. high schools. <laughs> but yeah, I I agree. <laughs> I'll take it. I just like the joke. Something I really appreciated. And I wonder, like, is it hard for you to do this? Because you, you said yourself, like, you love Spike. You're a Spike girl. But in the book, he was still the beta to Angelus's alpha, which is yeah. how it always is throughout uh, the show and the lore there. You could have. It's an alternative reality. You could have, like, you know, brought him up. Um, but Sp that's another reason why I felt Spike was so, like, that. that is Spike, because he is very much, you know, crying over Drusilla, who... <laughs> is not treating him right and he's yeah he's he's being beta to angelus who hired him as a bartender and is actually quite nice to him for a lot of the book but i found that really i'm like that's good because you know if it is an alternate reality and you are more prone to one character or another you could easily change those dynamics but you didn't and that's what made it feel a lot more real and connected to the show for me i like that spike is kind of a whiny baby <laughs> um because i 
so much of the Spike persona, the sort of like the punk rock look and the like being the biggest bad sort of thing is, I think, all just to cover for the fact that he's still just a sad little poet boy (laughs) who misses his mom. And so having Angelus there as sort of like his big brother to be like, I remember where you came from. He's like, yeah, I could never get too big because then... Angelus would reveal my like soft underbelly to the world and he'd lose all credibility. He would start his own publishing company just to publish Spice poems. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, publisher. Uh, yeah, and Drusilla also like really keeps him in that firm beta position you know she's the alpha she's in charge of him of all the characters i think drusilla's voice is the one that came through the strongest for me yeah well done phrased her the diction the metaphors she uses it was it was like i was watching juliet lando (laughs) perform it yeah it was perfect thank you i have never read so many obscure nursery rhymes in my life (laughs) and being like what would what would drusilla say here just you know weird rhyming poems from the 1800s one of the things that about the book that is so mind-blowing to me is that in writing it i never considered anyone involved with buffy would have any idea that i did this thing and so one day i woke up and my editor was like hey we got a blurb for you and that's a very normal thing to happen in publishing is to sort of you know you get someone to read your book in advance and they say a nice thing and you put it on the cover and i go oh okay they didn't tell me who they were going out for blurbs from and i assumed it would be like kendara and will ritter and you know the other disney buffy family and so to have juliet landau say that she loved the book and wanted a sequel and that she wished that she'd been able to go to perform this plot as drew i was just over the moon i really couldn't believe it and it's one of those things and i'm like i think if i'd known she was gonna read it i would have done it completely differently i just would have been so in my head about it and i probably wouldn't have spent so much time making like a very very convoluted amanda palmer dresden dolls (laughs) joke land in the year 2022 (laughs) but i did and i have no regrets and yeah I am so delighted because I loved Drusilla. I think that she is, again, a very underutilized character mm-hmm. who should have had her chance to be, like, the big bad. Because she's so unpredictable in a way that is really terrifying. And if she set her mind to it, she could destroy everyone. She's just very easily distracted. Well, isn't that the case, right? When you have a a bad character like Angelus, you need to like distill the evil down another generation to get somebody even worse, right? So like, it's the fact that Angelus drove Drusilla mad and then sired her that caused him to create an even greater evil than himself. Yes. And I think that the show focuses too much on how that next generation how spike is like oh and then spike goes too far and he's killing people willy-nilly and drawing attention to them and it's like no that really should be drew who's just like siring people because she thinks they're cute and murdering (laughs) indiscriminately and like i mean the dolls alone there's just something wrong there and it's sort of like yeah she'll like tie up her dolls and blindfold them and stuff totally normal and you're like does she only do that to dolls? 
We never really get into like whether or not she would do that to a person. And I assume she would. I'm just thinking like back to what she was saying. There was one thing that she said about like stomping on roses or like where she, <laughs> like the slayers coming to our gardens. I can't remember the exact quote, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is Drusilla to a T. I was mm-hmm. really impressed with that. Thank you so much. Oh, no worries. Do you have any other questions, Steph? So, oh, one more thing I wanted to ask was where's Oz? No Oz? Maybe in the next book? Who knows? Yeah, that is, you know, Oz is, Oz is hard for me because of the way the show deals with Willow's sexuality. I think if they had let Willow be a bisexual person, it would be a lot easier to sort of be like, yeah, Oz exists. And when he comes back and, you know, he has this place in the Scoobies and they really, I don't know, they, the show really does him dirty, sort of sending him off into the world and not having enough time to deal with that. And then we never see another werewolf ever again. <laughs> True. Well, we see one and in so, Angel. Oh, yeah. Yes. Sure. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. You're right. Not in Buffy. Yeah, but not in Buffy. And so it is interesting to think like oh yeah so i guess there would be werewolves in demon dale but i don't know how blocking out the sun if you can't see the moon do you still yeah, shift i guess moon? you do yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah i mean yeah you wouldn't be able to see it it's the sky is dark so <laughs> yeah um it would be something now that you say it uh, it would be something that i would be interested in exploring in a sequel like what happens there um but oz is also just like you know such a good dude that i don't want him to be with all the monsters i hope he's just like living a very chill life somewhere playing guitar and zen you know, somewhere else zen yeah. dealing with the the wolf within sort of thing he doesn't um, belong there he doesn't belong and xander in is burning in his own personal hall dimension <laughs> yeah. Yes. Xander got sucked into a Kappa, and that's where he is. <laughs> yeah, I would put Xander in a world of Xanders. Like, <laughs> like if the Zeppo, no, not the Zeppo. What is his? Is it the other me? The replacement? Two Xanders? The replacement. Yeah, that's our, that's our next episode. Mm. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So I think that Xander's hell would just be like the replacement, but everyone's a xander oh dear just <laughs> oh no all xander seven billion xanders Ooh. <laughs> so that brings me to my final question is demon dale a world with shrimp oh yeah for sure there's shrimp there just back yeah it's yeah it's got it um because if it didn't anya certainly would have mentioned she would be like telling people like oh i know you've never heard of it but there's there's these little sea creatures that taste good if you fry them or grill them or um yeah so there's definitely shrimp there i don't think they're very popular um because as i learned researching the book shrimp have very little blood Oh, which is just a weird thing because I was like, oh, could a vampire eat a shrimp? And I was like, they could. There's just so little blood that it like wouldn't be very satisfying. So I think they're there, but it's probably just like as like a garnish. Like maybe there's like a shrimp cocktail on the menu at the bronze, but instead of cocktail sauce, it's blood. I don't know know why I said it because it really grossed me out. (laughs) How dare! Well, yeah, that's that's all the questions we had for you. Um, is there anything that you want to 
you want to plug or anything that you want to, other than your wonderful book, um, anything else that you want to share, like where to find you? Oh my gosh. Um, well, you can find me on the internet. I'm, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm Ms. Lily Anderson everywhere. M-S-L-I-L-Y-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N. Um, dot com is my website. At is my Twitter and my Instagram. And I would love to plug, I have other books. If you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, obviously I wrote a Buffy the Vampire Slayer book called Big Bad, available everywhere books are sold. Um, But I also have, I also write YA. Um, I have a book called Scouts Honor, which is about Girl Scouts that fight uh, uh, interdimensional parasites uh, with (laughs) swords and axes. And I have a witchy book called Undead Girl Gang, which is about a teen witch who brings her best friend back from the dead to solve her murder, but accidentally brings back two of the meanest girls in school, and they all have one week to find the killer. Um, Both of those books were comped to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, either by me or by other nice people (laughs) in my blurbs, Um, and they are perfect for this the spookiest of seasons i know halloween will be over by the time this comes out i don't care it's still spooky as long as it's autumn (laughs) thanks so much for joining us lily we really appreciate having you on oh my gosh thank you so much for having me and we want to extend an invite to you should you ever want to recap an episode with us uh sounds like season six is your favorite for you know, for, for reasons. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you ever want to come and recap an episode, you are more than welcome to join us. I'm always available to you. I love Buffy. And now I love you guys. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for joining. It's been an honor. Let us know when that sequel drops because I'll be reading it for sure. Uh, thanks so much to our Buy Me a Coffee supporters, especially our chosen ones, Lizzie, Hannah, Holly, Kayla, Brady, Jordan, Lena, Julian, Nicola, and Luis. And Emma, Taza, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, and Tasha. So thank you, Lily, again. Thanks to all our listeners. We will see you soon for another recap of season five. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week